Good morning. This is Fordham Conversations. I'm Robin Shannon. WFUV's Strike Accord campaign spotlights a particular issue every quarter. And during this political year, we're looking to spark more political involvement, or at least spark political conversations that can lead to voters taking action. Today I'll talk with Fordham alumnus Dr. Constantine Augenberg about a study examining the influence of personal values on overall political engagement. But first we hear how music fans may differ in political allegiances and shared values. The group Headcount registers voters, mostly young people, at music festivals and concerts across the country. The organization recently conducted a survey to try to figure out what they want both musically and politically. Jacob Anderson reports. According to the 10,000 surveys Headcount collected at shows and online, if you're a fan of Maroon 5, or John Mayer, you're the most likely to lean Republican. Indie rock bands like the Decemberists had the highest concentration of Democrats. And don't forget the jam bands like Fish. They had the most libertarians. Andy Bernstein is the executive director of Headcount. He says even music fans who identified as Republican tended not to favor issues associated with the GOP, like shrinking government or cutting taxes. Instead, they chose typically Democratic Party ideals like investing in education in the future and fighting for equality in the disadvantaged. People disagreed about President Obama, but Bernstein was surprised by the overall unity of values. Those were much more popular than the Democratic Party or the politicians themselves. Headcount was at the Blind Pilot Show at Webster Hall in Manhattan earlier this month. Based on the survey, most of the fans at an indie rock show like this should identify as Democrat, but many were teenagers or in their early 20s. The Headcount survey also found that younger people tended to say they're Republican. Chris DeLucia is 19 and registered as a Republican, partly so he could vote in the GOP primary. But he's not married to it. I feel like the parties, it's just a lot of, like, nominal stuff, you know. But I feel like what comes down to, it's the person. When asked the question about what the government's top priority should be, DeLucia chose the supposedly Democrat answer, fighting for equality, and supported it with a typically Republican ideal. A lot of the other things lead towards equality. Like, I feel like reduction of government is technically, like, making everything more equal. I guess I'd probably be leaning more towards Romney than Obama at this point. Kelly Oakwood is a grad student at NYU. She's concerned about the job market when she finishes school and doesn't have a lot of confidence in either of the two presidential candidates when it comes to the economy. When pushed, she says Romney, but she's still undecided. On other issues, she veers liberal. Equal rights for everyone, especially when it comes to marriage and other issues like that. Oakwood is among the ranks of 44% of young people who go to music concerts, a bigger number than those who are into sports, according to Andy Bernstein at Headcount. He says the survey is a step toward getting music fans engaged and influential. There are a lot of communities that have power in America. But when you've got 44% of young Americans seeing concerts, Music fans are actually a pretty big voting block. Headcount registers an average of 25,000 voters each year. Bernstein says that's something politicians should pay attention to. For WFUV News, I'm Jacob Anderson.
Coming up on Cityscape at 7.30, host George Bodarki will be talking with the executive director of Headcount. This is Fordham Conversations. I'm Robin Shannon. Now a discussion on a different type of study. While working on his Ph.D. at Fordham University, Constantine Augenberg wanted to examine the influence of personal values on overall political engagement. He's in the studio with me today to share what he discovered. Good morning, Constantine. Good morning, Robin. So what was the goal of your research study? Well, you see, Robin, uh, at the time when I was finishing my uh, coursework and I was looking into potential topics for my dissertation, the social phenomenon of the value of voters was on the rise. So, And I was always interested in American politics. And I found this particular phenomenon very fascinating. So I thought it would be interesting to investigate it empirically. And luckily I had access to a very comprehensive and reliable data set, which had all the information uh, necessary for this kind of research. It was generally provided to me by the market research company where I currently work for, GFK MRI. So all I had to do is just uh, form the hypothesis uh, and test them using the data. So eventually what I did, I looked at different types of human values and different types of political participation and use statistical analysis to see if there's any relationship between these variables. From a psychological point of view, how are our values, attitudes, behaviors, and consequences all connected? Uh, well, they are certainly interrelated. The question would be uh, to what extent. You see, the problem uh, with the research on values and attitudes is uh, that uh, these constructs are always are usually uh, of a uh, abstract and general nature. They're, they're very hard to grasp empirically, very hard, difficult to measure empirically and then express in terms of data. So um, that's why m more than often when you run certain correlations of attitudes and values with behaviors, those correlations are very low, which essentially shows that the relationship is uh, very weak. Uh, then another issue we have is the issue of causality, because very often it's not clear whether there's a one-way or one-direction causal flow in this relationship. You can say the values and attitudes cause behavior, but sometimes it's actually certain behaviors and actions that make you change the way you think and feel about certain subjects. So you're saying that they're, they're interconnected, but they're not the same. Right. So in your study, Constantine, you said it was important to focus on value systems, plural systems, instead of individual values. Why is that? And my research was based on the theory of values, which was proposed by Israeli psychologist Shalom Schwartz about 30 years ago. So in psychology, it's relatively uh, modern uh, theory. Um, and the idea was that uh, most of the human values can actually be reduced to 10 basic types. You may call them super values, which uh, each of these types is uh, pertaining to a certain domain of our lives. For instance, there are so-called self-direction values, which are basically concerned with uh, expressing uh, freedom of expression or being curious, uh, acquiring new knowledge or skills. Uh, there might be some stimulation values, which are basically all about uh, thrill-seeking, adventure-seeking, um, about romance and sex. Uh, then there are so-called universalism values, which is more about, uh, more about uh, caring about uh, social justice and equality for everyone in the world, peace in the world, unity with nature, uh, caring about the environment. So theory suggests that everyone, each of us in the world, regardless of the culture or background or gender or race, have essentially the same set of these 10 super values. The question is uh, that uh, certain people are find certain values more important as guiding principles of their life uh, rather than others. For example, there might be some people among our listeners that uh, 
find caring about social justice and equality for everyone in the world more important to them than um, pursuing wealth, fame, or social status. You, you may say that certain bivalent types are competing against each other, and these differences in importance eventually manifest themselves in uh, our behavior, in our attitudes, the way we choose our career, the way we act towards certain people, the, the way we vote, uh, choose political parties, things like that. So what you had to do in your mm. research was you had to break down how to measure values first, and then you were able to sort of measure the values based on political choices, decisions, participation. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Okay. And the way you measure values, you basically ask a person how important each of the following as a guiding principle of your life. And then you say, for example, pursuing wealth or being famous or have a caring personal relationship and things like that. So how did you – that's how you measured yes. the, the values? Um so you stated in your dissertation that values received less attention in the field of psychology. Why is that? Uh, I mean, because of the complexity of the construct, because of this abstract nature of values. It's so difficult to measure. It was actually Shalom Schwartz who came up with the, I believe, the personal belief, the best uh, way to measure instrument values. Because you did use a few other types of studies that you examined. Yes. Um, that dealt with values, correct? Right, that's uh, But you, you prefer Schwartz. I did notice that you quoted Schwartz a lot, but you preferred him. Yes, I preferred him because I thought that his um, instrument was more valid scientifically and uh, has been validated across different cultures, by the, by the way. How many different forms of political engagement are there? I would say, I mean, it's hard to say. I mean, there are different classifications. Different theories propose different classifications, but the one I used in my study was essentially four forms. We're talking about psychological, political participation, again, interest in politics. We're talking about uh, electoral engagement, anything that has to do with voting, um, volunteering on the campaign, wearing campaign button, signing petitions, contacting politicians. Then there is as a, a community participation, when it's more, more like a engagement and a grassroots movement at the grassroots level, uh, volunteering on the board, being a member of a charitable organization, uh, being a member of PTA or simply attending the public uh, town hall meetings, and then there is a and then there is a third mode of political participation which uh, hasn't been covered that often, is the uh, the advocacy. It's uh, basically consists of uh, contacting politicians or publishing articles, um, being vocal in media and community on certain civic matters. You said political engagement has two components, one active, one passive. So give me an example of each or a definition of each. Well, by definition, active component comprise of any uh, pursuing any actions or taking certain behaviors, whereas a uh, passive component is basically just expressing concern or interest about the politics. For example, watching Anderson Cooper's show uh, would be an example of uh, passive uh, political engagement and uh, voting or signing a certain petition would be an example of uh, instrumental or active political engagement. So why are active and passive components treated separately? I may be concerned about politics or may be interested in it, but, for example, I may not necessarily take any actions. And uh, the funny thing is, I mean, I personally think um, around 50s, I believe, or 60s, uh, psychologists started noticing decline in political participations. People became more passive. And I guess psychologists were so desperate that they came up with a passive component just to show that people are still interested in politics. <laughs> oh, well, why is it? Why did it? Why did they see a decline back in the what fifties? You said. Um, 
Uh, yes, uh, I, I think it's it's a very interesting phenomenon. You know, I think it's going back right now. I mean, the levels of participation are going back. It's just not in the way people usually expect people to participate. Uh, the Occupy Wall Street movement, for example, is one example. That's active. Yeah, it is active participation. Mm-hmm. It doesn't necessarily mean that most of these people will be voting, but they're still expressing their concern about politics and they're raising their voice. It is active participation. Essentially, they do influence other people in the society. And uh, going back, you were saying that the psychologists in the 50s saw a decline in political participation? Yes, the number of people who vote, the number of people who engage in... uh, Do we know? No, we don't. We don't know why. But but this caused them to have to come up with a new category. Yes. Yeah. So, Constantine... um, we're we're getting into obviously we have to talk about the values and the definitions of values first because that's what you had to define before you were able to look at how those values affected people's political participation so um, define value priority essentially is it how important is a certain value to you as a guiding principle in your life how important is to you to become rich how important to you to be recognized in your field of um, expertise and do different values influence different forms of political participation? Yes. And this is what I found actually in my study. Uh, well, first of all, I must admit the demographic predictors and life stage predictors like age or home ownerships turn out to be uh, better predictors of uh, whether a person will be engaged politically. Uh, but the values were also um, had some little impact. And the most interesting about that impact was the direction. So, again, certain values uh, were related in different manner to different types of uh, political participation. For example, traditional values, which had to do with spirituality, uh, respecting ancestors and superiors, uh, adhering to certain standards and rules, or also about conformity uh, to rules, or about coziness, about security and safety. Uh, these kind of values were related to engagement um, in community affairs. In other words, people with traditional values are more likely to be engaged in a grassroots uh, type of political participation. Uh, whereas the people who are more concerned about the equality and justice for everyone, uh, care about the nature and the environment, and also are interested in learning and acquiring new skills and sort of open to change, uh, these kind of people are more likely to engage, be engaged in electoral activities, which is attending rallies and demonstrations, um, volunteering for a campaign or public or running for the public office. And um, another interesting finding was uh, that uh, power and achievement values, essentially people who are uh, find pursuing wealth, status, or career more important, they are less likely to be engaged in any kind of political behavior. I'm Robin Shannon on 90.7 WFUV, speaking with Dr. Constantine Augenberg about his study on the influence of personal values on political engagement. Let's get down to tactics. You figured out how to define values. Then you figured out what categories certain personality types go into, which values. How did you put all of this together? Do you want me to be uh, very technical, uh, somewhat <laughs> technical? or Well, essentially what I did... Uh, as simple as you can. <laughs> well, the, the idea was that people were asked uh, about, I believe, 30 different types of values, and then these values have been grouped together according to the Schwartz system. So essentially, instead of 30 individual values, I ended up with uh, 10 specific types. And then I did the same with uh, certain political activities. So we basically asked person if they 
person voted in the last uh, 12 months or the person attended any town hall meetings in the last month, uh, last uh, year. And then I used the certain statistical models to see if there is an interaction between values and political participations after controlling for key demographic elements like person's age, person's income, person's education, home ownership, whether the person is married, um, whether the person has children, and things like that. So, Constantine, what are some factors your research discovered that negatively influence political involvement? Well, unfortunately, there were some uh, gender differences and there were some racial differences. Uh, then, of course, the social economic uh, status had a great impact. So, people, obviously, people less educated and uh, with less incomes will be less likely to participate in uh, uh, politics in general. Did, did your research discover why? Oh, uh, no. Um, not necessarily. I mean, but um, what were the I, racial I differences? Well, essentially, it all comes down to resources. In order to be in, actively involved in politics, uh, we need to have connections. You have to uh, have access to certain certain circles. So, um, so as we're getting more into uh, the results of your dissertation, Constantine, which values have a positive effect on political engagement? Well, uh, interestingly. Uh, I value concern with uh, social justice and equality for everyone, peace in the world, uh, or being uh, in unity with nature, caring about the environment. This kind of values what we call universalism values. Constantine, your study found that political involvement seems to increase with age. Why is that? Well, you know, actually, researchers found that the uh, relationship uh, between uh, age and the political participation sort of has a U-shape. So essentially, when you're young, you're not really interested, and then you're going... Uh, interest going up as you you know reach middle age and then it kind of slowly goes down again uh, towards their older older age which i believe because people are less mobile and uh, so i was going to ask do we know right. why so people who are younger tend to be why, why is it that they're less engaged and why people who are older are more engaged well i personally believe it's about value priorities again uh the younger age you're more interested in pursuing adventures love romance so you have certain different uh, priorities uh, you're so more self-centered, I would say. So, Constantine, <clears throat> what benefit is there in understanding the relationship between values and political engagement? Well, first of all, I'll try to sort of like cover gray areas in research because uh, this kind of research, I believe personally, I haven't done before. So um, I guess that was my attempt sort of to fill in, at least uh, my humble attempt to you know, contribute to the uh, social psychology and political psychology. Uh, but I do see more and more um, in recent campaigns, and I believe um, even five or six years ago, when the political messages become more and more uh, constructed, the way to invoke certain values to unite people, which I think not necessarily a bad idea as long as your campaign, as long as your uh, messages are not trying to change people's values, but rather just trying to appeal to them. And and to stress what we see, what <clears throat> you just said also is that there were different theories and sort of research in this field but in reading your dissertation you sort of took you took it and took it to the next level would you say that uh yes most of the research done in this area was uh focusing on the relationship between the values and political orientation so and there was a lot of actually nice strong correlations between the certain types of values and being republican versus being democrat or being socially liberal versus being socially conservative or and being socially, economically conservative versus, you know, economically liberal. 
So do you think your research can be used as a tool to get people engaged um, politically or more politically engaged? I would hope so. You would hope so? In the world of psychology, are there currently conversations happening about political engagement and values that, like, the average person is, you don't want to talk about that at all? No. He's shaking his head no. Because <laughs> no you're right now, just, and you're more yeah. in marketing now, yeah, right? Research, right? So do you think that um, your study could be used to... Um, used by marketers to appeal to certain people depending or even used by certain political campaigns to 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 find a way to appeal to certain people well absolutely actually uh i believe the republicans were the first ones to uh, sort of master the art and science of uh you know creating messages that sort of invoke certain values and drive people to voting booths and hence the phenomenon of value voters okay but I believe Democrats are catching up now, too. So. so, Constantine, let's go through the 10 universal motivation value types that we talked about earlier and connect those to political activity. So let's start with hedonism. Uh, hedonism is all about uh, pleasure and fun. So I wouldn't expect uh, it to be related to any kind of political participation because, again, it's about yourself. So the people that you were part of your research who leaned heavily towards the hedonism, quote, value, were not that politically active. That's correct. Okay. How about um, self-direction? Self-direction is all about uh, acquiring new skills and knowledge, being curious, being open-minded, being open to change, uh, curious. Um, that Those values were actually positively related with the uh, engagement in electoral activities, you know, uh, volunteering for the campaign, attending rallies and demonstrations and things like that. How about achievement? Uh, achievement and power, it's all about pursuing career or social status, uh, become, uh, becoming socially dominant. Uh, there was a negative correlation with both uh, engagement in community and engagement in political activities overall. How about power? Same. Same thing. And conformity? Conformity and tradition, uh, we usually group them together. Uh, there was no statistically significant relationship between engagement and electoral activities, which is kind of interesting. But uh, there was a very high positive correlation with the engagement and community work. Hmm. Um, security? Uh, it's a type of, uh, it's a part of conformity tradition uh, dimension. Okay. Tradition? We did that. Tradition yes. and conformity are together, yes. right? Uh, benevolence? Benevolence is all about uh, being concerned with the personal relationships. So if your main focus is on your family and friends and uh, harmony in relationships rather than the entire world. So uh, it had um, there was no statistically significant relationship. Okay. Universalism? Uh, it's all about uh, being uh, concerned about other people and society in general, you know, caring about others, uh, peace in the world, uh, social justice. So equality, what kind of politics a, were they part of? Um, they were uh, positively related to electoral engagement, again, participating in uh, uh, running for public office, uh, volunteering for the campaign, things like that. And um, there was no uh, relationship between uh, uh, this kind of values and engagement in community work at all. And the last one is stimulation? Stimulation is all about fun-seeking, uh, thrill, sex, romance, adventure. Uh, it was uh, not uh, related to uh, political engagement in any degree. And I would think that stimulation and hedonism would be close to each other. Yes, they are. They Actually, are close are. to each other? Yep. Um, so on this, again, looking at this round pie chart, you would have like hedonism close. And what would be the opposite of hedonism? Would it be conformity? 
Uh, more like a safety and security. Safety and security. Uh, we're talking about hedonism and uh, yeah, hedonism and uh, stimulation. Okay. Because yeah, stimulation, remember, is about risk taking, whereas security is about safety and uh, uh, conformity and being uh, cozy. So when you began to group people into these ten different um, categories, you then were able to determine their level of of political engagement and also what type of political engagement they would be a part of, correct? That's correct. That's correct. Um, what do you think this says ultimately about, and this was all over America, You, you your survey wasn't just in one area, it was surveyed out to the whole United States, is that correct? Oh, yes. I used a very reliable, very uh, large data set uh, generously provided to me by the company I work currently for, uh, market research company, GFK MRI, and uh, the sample is... Uh, statistically representative of the national population of the United States, except for Alaska and Hawaii. Okay. What do you think this says about America's attitude towards political engagement? Actually, my, my research has... Uh, it's a, my, my research is addressing the different kind of questions, so I don't think this is... Uh, How about you personally? Do you feel comfortable asking, answering that question? Personally, I believe um, I was able to solve the... Uh, Look closer at the phenomenon of the values voter value voters, uh, because originally we think that traditional values would drive people to voting booths, and uh, but uh, based on my numbers, it's actually people are more likely to be engaged in grassroots campaigns, and this is the strength of the traditional value voters is community. So ultimately, someone can take your research and say, okay, a tradition, someone who's um, a falls under the traditional value. If I wanted to politically engage them, then my best way would be to politically engage them in doing something that uh, was benefiting the community, like kind of pull them out to say, hey, could you come out and campaign for me in this way or that way, as opposed to saying, hey, would you run for office? Yes, I'll yeah. say so. I'll <laughs> say so. You'll drive appeal to the uh, sense of security, safety, which is, again, um, traditions, uh, conformity to rules, you know. So in taking these um, 10 universal universal motivation value tips, can we run through them again? And if you feel comfortable, sure. um, can you tell me how you think any political party would be able to motivate them? So, um, for example, if we take hedonism, since the person is somewhat self-involved in hedonism, what do you think would be a way to get them politically involved? Whoever the political campaign was. Have any ideas? Um, that's a very interesting question. Uh, I doubt you'll be able to involve this kind of people. I think they're more very self-centered. Um, so I would say people with uh, whose high, uh, whose core highly on uh, self-stimulation and uh, hedonism will be less likely to engage in any kind of political activity. So that's my personal opinion. I mean, the data shows that too. Okay. Um, uh, self-direction. Self-direction. Um, How would we motivate those people to to get out and be politically engaged? I guess appealing to the education, to the knowledge about the world in general. So that would be the person that you would have to... Presenting um, them, yeah. That would be the person that... that uh, rational approach. The very rational approach. So you yes. would say something along the lines of maybe um, you could appeal to them through um, a public radio program or a television program where they can kind of figure out um, the rationale behind what your political beliefs are, what your political direction is as a, a person who's running for office, let's say. Absolutely. Give them a chance to you know, present them with your program and give them a chance to acquaint themselves with the actually, actual facts and, you know. 
Okay. Um, if somebody has a, a high level of achievement, how would you appeal to them politically, to be politically active? Well, I believe these people are more interested in their careers and competing with uh, other people. So uh, based on my data, at least, uh, they'll be least likely, less likely to be engaged in politics. So, And there would be nothing that um, if they were, how about through work? Like if their their job, I'm, these are just hypotheticals, I'm wondering, because um, I'm wondering how we would get people politically engaged, um, falling under these values. You're saying there's a good chance that no matter what, they're too focused on their job to, to, to bother to go and try to be politically engaged or politically involved? I believe so, because they're part of the so-called uh, higher dimension of uh, self-enhancement. So it's focused about themselves. The, the main focus is on themselves, on the inner self, okay. rather than society in general. And, it's uh, all about the interest, the personal interests. The personal interests. How about power? Uh, same with power, I would say. I mean, you would expect that people are, who are more ambitious and more about becoming rich and famous would be running for public, for public office. Uh, but uh, my data shows uh, the opposite, I believe, because probably in the United States, if you're a politician, you're less likely to abuse uh, your position. This has been Fordham Conversations on 90.7 WFUV. You can listen every Saturday morning at 7 o'clock. You can also friend us on Facebook and catch up on past shows with our weekly podcast. Stay with us. I'm Robin Shannon for Fordham Conversations. It's now or never, yeah. Oh, it's a choice to be the change you want to see around you. Be the one, the one to make a difference. Be the change.